Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. Good morning, everybody. It is great to be back. Uh, If you are visiting with us, my name is Terry. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, last week I was here, but I I wasn't uh, giving the message. Pastor Aaron did a phenomenal job. And uh, the week before, um, I had the privilege, along with Pastor Aaron, uh, to travel to the country of Sweden. Uh, About a year ago, uh, some uh, leaders from uh, the different denominations throughout the country contacted me, and they they asked if I would consider to come and to be a keynote speaker at one of their conferences that they do for all the religious leaders throughout the country. And I I gotta be honest, um, I've I've done some of that before. And whenever you're dealing with international, um, you know, there's cultural differences. And sometimes, to be honest, sometimes when they kind of share what their expectations are and and what they're asking you to do, um, you know, you kind of take it. And then when you travel and you go there, um, what they've said doesn't necessarily match what the expectation is. Does that make sense? And, uh, but I got to tell you, um, after hearing uh, the reasons why, and, and for those of you who don't know much about the culture, the culture of Sweden, uh, phenomenal people, uh, absolutely incredible people, very much like you and I from, uh, from a conversational standpoint. They all know English as well, which made it very easy for me. Um, some of you wonder if I speak English because of how fast I talk, but yes, I do. Uh, but then going over there, uh, they recognize the problem. For the last two generations... Um, they have taken a cultural stance uh, in Sweden, and this is the culture, uh, that um, from a, a flat level society, which means this, that as a parent, for instance, if, if I was to go and have coffee with you, um, by the way, they do have a term for that, which I think we need to adopt as a church, and they call it fika, F-E-K-A, fika. In fact, they schedule it. At work, you have a, a break, and it's for fika. And you sit down, and the purpose of it is to get to know your coworkers, get to know your friends, and to be able to share life together. However, one of the cultural standards in that country is, is that um, it would be an insult if you were to share or try to encourage or try to give advice to somebody else about their life. So everybody basically is on the flat same level. Nobody knows more than anybody else. And so if if you have a problem or anything else, unless you ask for help, which by the way, culturally, they don't necessarily do, then everybody just basically keeps to themselves and doesn't share any advice or tips to be able to encourage them. Now, take that into the church. Um, If you're new to church, God has a command for us in the Bible. In Deuteronomy 6, it says this, that um, we are, as parents, as grandparents, We are, it's a law, by the way. In Deuteronomy 6, it's a part of God's law to us. That you have no option as a parent or grandparent that you are to speak into the life of your kids and your grandkids, telling them all about the history of God, of what God did in Egypt, all of who God is, what his commandments are, who Jesus is, that that's a law. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, we have no option. That that is the expectation for everybody. And if you don't do that, it's like breaking God's law. And that we're to do that every single day. And so I went to the leaders and and I looked at them and after hearing them say, no one gives advice. And I said, well, as church leaders, do do you challenge people? And they said, that's the problem for the last two generations, Terry, is that we as the church have fallen into that same pattern to where we don't feel comfortable giving advice to anybody about what they should be doing. And I said, but don't you realize that that goes against what God's truth actually says? And they go, yes, that's why we called you. I go, wait a second. 
I said, you get the, the American to come across and you know I'm going to leave, so you're going to throw me to the wolves and then I get to leave? Is that what you're saying? And they said, well, yes. But here was their prayer. They said, Terry, we feel like the church has gone deaf. And we have brought and assembled the entire denominational group of all the churches in Sweden, including the state church, the governmental church of Sweden is here because they recognize a problem. And we're praying and we prayed for you and we want to see that if you could challenge them to see. In fact, I, I don't know if you guys, did you already show pictures, Max? I didn't see some pictures of it. If you could challenge these leaders to regain their voice, we believe that a spark will happen and we will have our next steps. So I prayed a lot and I never forget the, that morning. It was, it was a Friday or Saturday morning and I was standing up there. And at the end, I looked at the church leaders, over a thousand people, and I said, if not you, then who? If, you, if not you, church leader, if not you, grandparent, if not you, parent, then who is going to speak into the life of the next generation and tell them about an incredible God who loves them and wants to have a plan for their life? After we were done, we went up and we celebrated because God did something incredible there and they're, they're on fire right now, which I thank God for. And we'll have opportunities in the future to check back and to continue walking along. But I'll never forget one of them said, Terry, you know, we said that they were going deaf. And our prayer now is let those who have ears listen and understand. And that ties into the message that we have today. Because I think that happens to a lot of us as parents, as grandparents, as, as Christians. Maybe you're not a Christian in this room. As we come into this room, and the prayer of my heart today is if you have ears, that you would listen and that you would understand. And in fact, Jesus wrote, not wrote, he spoke a story long ago. And he told a parable to a group of people about what it means to truly hear what God is trying to say and how we're to apply it. Now, here's the truth. Don't you agree with me that, you know, there's a lot of denominations, there's a lot of differences among the Christian culture. You can look and, and the way that our denominations do certain things, we die on a hill for certain things and we say, no, we're right, no, we're right. And, and it gets confusing to the outside world because they're like, wait, aren't you Christians? Well, then, then why is it, then what did Jesus really say? Because you say it's this way and you say it's this way, but didn't Jesus say the same thing? Yes. If you're taking notes, I want you to take you on a journey because we're going to have fun with this parable. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Sometimes there is a difference between what God says and what we hear. Sometimes there's a difference between what God says and what we hear. And in fact, he speaks this parable specifically because of this reason. And so without further ado, we'll kind of jump back into it. We're going to go to Luke. Luke is in the New Testament. It's one of the Gospels. He was a doctor, an incredible writer. He was very detailed in his writing. And he documents Jesus speaking to a group of people about a farmer and about a day that he goes to plant seed and the different type of soils he's going to connect with. So without further ado, Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 4, here we go. One day Jesus told a story in, front of a par- or in form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. He said, a farmer went out to plant his seed, and as he scattered it across the field, some seed fell on a footpath, where it was stepped on and the birds ate it. Other seed fell among the rocks and it began to grow, but the plants soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. 
Still, other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as had been planted. Now, here's what we're going to do for you type A personalities. I'm going to take you on a journey. There are four different types of soils that Jesus refers to. I'm going to introduce all four of them to you. Here's a little behind the scenes action. Jesus is talking about a farmer, but he's really talking about us. He's talking about the soils that represent our hearts. And so what I'd like to do is take you on a journey and I'm going to introduce these four, four different types of soils. And I want you to begin to ask yourself the question, which soil or what heart understanding do I have? Where am I at today? Because I actually think from time to time we actually vary between the different types of soils. But before we can jump to the soils, the first thing that Jesus said is there was a farmer and he planted some seed. Here's the truth about seed. The seed in this passage represents truth. So if you're not a Christian, you need to understand this. When Jesus said a farmer was sharing seeds, he was sharing truth. And what he was referring to is, is his word. And so now here in contemporary times, we have the Bible. The Bible represents God. In fact, the word, which is the Bible, is God. And so when we read God's word, we in essence are spending time with Jesus and we're reading his truth his seed. Here's a very important, if you're brand new to Christianity, I want you to never forget this. Never forget it. God's truth, seed, never changes. It's consistent. It's constant. When you read it, it doesn't change. If you hear somebody say, well, this truth changed. No, it doesn't. You want to know how I know this? Because later on, I don't have time to go there. There was a guy by the name of Paul And Paul wrote a lot of the New Testament and he talked about the seed. He talked about God's truth. And here's what he said about Jesus and his truth, that it is the same yesterday, the same today, and the same forever. And so when you ever hear someone that says, well, this truth changes because of circumstances, no, it doesn't. Now our understanding of truth does change. As we gain wisdom and we really begin to understand things more, we grow. But that's why Jesus wrote this parable. Because isn't it true, going back, sometimes there's a difference between what God says and what everyone in this room will hear. That's going to happen today. All of us are going to hear different things. Because God's truth is consistent. But how we receive it, what we take away from it, will be different. And it all goes back to the posture of your heart, which represents the four soils that Jesus introduced to all the people. So without further ado, let's go to the first soil. And I'm going to take you back to what the writer said. Luke said this, some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on and the birds ate it. And so a farmer is out, he casts the seed and the seed goes into all different kinds of soil. And then some of that seed was on a footpath that was hard and compressed. In other words, it was just sitting on top. It wasn't digging in. It wasn't gaining traction. It didn't get any type of root whatsoever. Now, there are some individuals that fall into this category. And I like to call this category the observers. Observers are in people that will find their way into rooms where God's seed is planted. In fact, you might be here today because someone dragged you to church. You might not even want to be here. You're still lamenting the fact that the University of North Carolina lost. If you don't know that, just, you know, March Madness, everything else, you can Google it. All right. But you might be sitting here saying, when is this over? We sang a lot. That was great. Let's get this guy off the stage so I can go home. 
And if that's you, it represents your heart, which is, is that you're just here to observe. Let me, let me give you a different example. My dad, God bless him, 88 years old and he passed away. But before that, I'll never forget, the year before he passed, um, I was over at his house. And I pulled in the driveway and he said, oh, son, 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 can you pull in the street? I got to pull my minivan in and I got to get in the garage and then you can park. I said, okay, dad. Now his garage is not big. So when he said that, I thought to myself, he gets the minivan in that garage? I don't think that's meant to hold a car. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a car garage. It's actually thin. And my dad was, he was a carpenter, carpenter, engineer. So his garage was stuffed with things. I thought there's no way he can fit this car in there. So he goes, watch me. So all of a sudden he pulls the car in, the garage door opens, and I watched my dad do a three-point turn in the garage. I'm watching him. He's like, back up, move forward, back up, move forward. And I'm like, and he's going sideways into this. I'm like, what are you doing? So then I go into the garage and he's still moving around and I'm making sure he doesn't bust something. And all of a sudden he's coming up and there's shelving. And I want to tell you something. As I'm looking at the car, the front end of the car, I notice dents and scratches. As I look at the shelving that he has in the front, I notice that it's cracked and bent in. And I'm watching my dad and my dad's smiling. And all of a sudden he comes in and I'm watching. I'm like, okay. And I'm throwing my hands up. Dad, stop, stop, stop. And all of a sudden, smack, crashes into it. I look at my dad, I kid you not, throws it in the park and said, like a glove. He gets out of the car. I go, what are you doing? I said, you just crashed into the shelf. You dented your car. And he goes, what's the problem? He goes, that's how I get the car in the garage. And I go, Dan. I said, Dad, there, there is an easier way. I said, why don't I do this? I said, I, I have, there, there's a little device I can buy. I can attach it to your ceiling. It's called a laser. It's very low power. It just shoots a laser beam down. And when you pull your car in, you set it. And it's where you see the laser beam on your dash. It lets you know that you've got the car where you need to be. You don't need to crash in to know that you fit in the garage. And he's like, nah, laser. You lost me a laser. I go, Dad. I said, you're damaging the car. I don't want to buy you a new car. I mean, come on. I said, it's, it's simple. It will make your life better. It will make your house better. You can do this. He goes, Tear. I got a system. I don't want you to mess with my system. It's how I like it. I could not. Every time I brought the thing up, he didn't want to hear it. He didn't want anything to do with it. And I sat there so frustrated because I'm looking and I, I would do it for you. I'll put it in for you. He didn't want anything to do with something that would make his life better. And I think that's what happens to those of us who have hearts that are like the footpath. Is you have a lot of people around you that want to encourage you with truth to make your life better. But you have your system. And while you're around people and you're around the truth, you don't want to allow it to take any root into your heart. And you will allow the way you do things, the way that other people believe, you will allow that to steal the seeds of truth that God wants to speak in your life. Let's see what Jesus actually has to say about the seed. Jesus actually comments. He said, the seeds in Luke 8, 12, the seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. Here's the truth. Because some of us in this room, when, when all of a sudden you see, well, the devil came, we're like, ah, I don't want to hear about the devil. Let, let me be honest with you. The devil comes in a lot of different forms. Many of us, we think of the devil with a pitchfork and two horns. But one of the biggest things the devil uses is pride. 
And there's a lot of individuals in this room because you've lived your life a certain way and you have your system that you don't want to allow any truth into your life because the devil has a hold on your heart with pride. Because if you don't want to change and listen to God's truth, here's what you in essence are telling God. I know more than God. God, forgive me for the times that I've looked into his eyes and said, I know more than you. I know better than you. I'm going to do it my way. Here's the honest truth. It's one thing to observe Christ. It's another thing to actually experience him. And the greatest prayer from some people in this room, if you are an observer and if your heart is in observation mode, the biggest prayer of everyone in this room is that all you would do is realize that a relationship with God means to take a step of faith doesn't mean that you have everything in order. It doesn't mean you understand everything. doesn't mean that you have to get better in order to have it. Here's what it means to take a step of faith and to change from being an observer to allowing the seeds to plant in your heart. God, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to believe that your truth can change my life. And so I'm going to open up my heart and I'm going to allow your seed to penetrate and I want to receive you as Lord and Savior. That's the gospel. And that's what it means to truly change from being an observer to moving into a better place. There's a second soil, though, because some of you in the room, you say, Terry, that's not me. I'm not an observer. No, 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 that's not me. That's not me. Okay, well, hey, hang on. There's three other soils. Let's take a look. Here's what Luke writes. He said, other seed fell among rocks. It began to grow, but the plant soon wilted, and it died with a lack of moisture. The second type of soil, the second condition of a heart that I like to, to kind of call are the emoters, emoters. And before I talk about the emoters, let's see what Jesus has to say about the emoters and their hearts. Take a look at this. He said, the seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message, the truth, receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while and then they fall away when they face temptation. Let me kind of explain this even more. What is temptation? Because some of you right away, you check out and say, oh, temptation. I don't face a lot of temptation. No, no, no. Temptation comes in a lot of different forms. Temptation comes in the form of comfortability. Some of us, we want to be happy more than we want to be holy. And so that is in the form of temptation. And so we refuse to listen to God's word and we, and all of a sudden when all things get tough or hard decisions need to be made, we make the decision to be happy as opposed to be holy. Let me give you another case in point. God gives illustrations every single day in my life. I was at my kid's baseball game yesterday. He's 11 years old. He's playing travel baseball. And here he is. And, and as a baseball player, he had two runners on. He had two outs. If you don't know anything about baseball, he was at the plate. His job is to hit the ball hard. It's the only thing we expect of a hitter. Hey, just be in there, do your best, and just hit it hard. If it goes in for a hit, great. If they catch it, hey, you did your best, you hit it hard, that's okay. And we try to teach the kids this, that look, sometimes you hit it, sometimes they're there, sometimes they're not. Just hit it hard. So he gets up, he's got two strikes, I was so proud of him. He got up there and all of a sudden the pitcher pitches, and he hit a line drive, and we jumped up, yes! The fans jumped up, yes, because the winning run's going to score, yes. And all of a sudden, we looked where the ball was going, and we noticed something strange. Because there was a person who normally plays in one place, and because of a mistake, he kind of tripped, and he couldn't get back to his regular position. He ended up right behind second base. If you know anything about baseball, it's just a place on the field. He ended up right behind second base, kind of caught off guard, and the ball went right at him, and all he did was go, and he caught it. 
And so all of a sudden I'm watching and the fans go, oh, and, and, and I, I sit there and I watch Connor and he's got his bat and he's like, oh, and that was actually me in the stands. But I mean, everything else, but he came off the field and I put my arm around him. And I said, son, I said, I'm so proud of you. And he goes, no, we lost the game. I got out. And I go, but son. I said, what's your job? And he said, to win the game. And I said, well, okay, what's your other job? And he says, hit the ball hard. And I go, well, you hit the ball hard. Yeah, but he caught it. And I said, Connor, when you hit it, how did you feel? He goes, I was excited. And I go, and then when he caught it, what happened? He goes, I was so mad. And I said, son, what, ha- what would have happened if that guy wasn't there? What was the difference? It didn't change anything you did. It was the circumstance that made you go from joy to anger. I said, you did the same thing. So why are you going, yay? And no, I said, you did what you were supposed to do. And then he continued to say, but we lost. And so, you know, at parenting 11 years old, you get it and everything else. But I think that's what Jesus was talking about with us. Because for some of us in the room, Emoters, here's how we look at times. Jesus, you're wonderful, you're amazing, you're great, your truth is so awesome, my life is so great, everything's wonderful, oh, I feel so refreshed, this is great, everything's going great. And you tell all your friends and they look at you and they're like, I went to church three times this week, I can't get enough, I've got five Bible studies, I went on my app, I've got 17 Bible studies, I took a bunch of Facebook pictures about scripture and I sent it to everybody, God is good. And one week later, your friends check in on you and all of a sudden you're like, I don't even know if God exists. He's terrible. He's awful. I don't understand. I don't know. Why did he do this to me? I mean, I, you know, I don't understand. And so faith might not be real. If you're in a motor, what did I say about the seed? It doesn't change. The only thing that changes is the attitude, the type of soil, the attitude and the posture of the heart. So if you're in a motor... God doesn't change, but because of your circumstances and what happens in your life, you go from joy to anger and frustration. The problem is not Jesus. The problem is the condition and the posture of your heart. Here's the truth. You're writing it down. Emotors of Christ are consistent in one area, inconsistency. One of the goals for all of us is to realize what's your job as a Christian? Whatever you say, God whatever you say, because your plan is better than mine. I'm, this isn't going to make me happy, but I know it's going to make me closer to you, which is better for me, and so I'm going to trust you. And so we have observers, but then we have emoters, and then we have a third version that Luke writes about in verse Luke 8, 7. Other seed fell among the thorns that grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. Okay? Let's see what Jesus has to say about it. Here's what Jesus said. He said this. Keep going. I'll I'll introduce pretenders in a second. Keep going. Next slide. Thank you. The seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this life. And so they never grow to maturity. Don't miss this. What Jesus said is there's so many things that are distracting the plant. There's so many outside forces that are affecting the plant that the plant has shallow roots. The plant is not going to grow and not going to mature. This group, as you saw, are called the pretenders. And those of us that are pretenders, here's the truth. We've learned to be comfortable in both worlds. 
We've learned how, what it means to be comfortable in our church world where we come in and we see a brother or sister in Christ and we're able to talk the talk and we're able to walk the walk in the walls of the church. But Monday through Saturday, all of a sudden, we live a life embracing everything that culture throws at us. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not a basher of all culture. I think there's a lot of things in culture that are wonderful. I thank God for indoor plumbing. Amen? I do. I wake up in in the morning when I pray. I think of things to thank God for. And if you're wondering for things to thank God for, you should thank Him for toilets. If you've ever been out of the country and you've had to dig a hole, you know what I'm talking about. So culture's not bad. However, when culture speaks against truth, that's where it puts you in a difficult place and you have a decision to make. Am I going to value God's truth more than what culture says? If you're taking notes, write this down. Pretenders love Christ when it's convenient for them. Love is an action. It's not a noun. It's an action. And I love Christ when Christ works for me. But when things aren't going right, all of a sudden, it's easier to step into culture and just live like culture lives. I think this is where most of us land. I think a lot of us struggle with being pretenders. And we've got a foot in both worlds. And I'm going to make a statement, and there's truth behind this. I want you to pay really close attention. The gap between who you are publicly versus who you are privately points to the depth of your relationship with God. The gap between who you are publicly and who you are privately represents the depth of your relationship with God. You know, when I was in London, if you ever travel the systems, you get on the underground tube is what they call it. And 75 million times, if you're there for a few days, you will hear three words. Mind the gap. Amen. Those, Those animatronic babies are amazing. Perfect timing. Mind the gap. I think Christ is calling us to mind the gap. There's many of us that have to work really hard to close the gap between who we are publicly and who we are privately and stop allowing culture to choke out the maturity of who God wants us to be. I mean, let's be honest. Christianity was never meant to be comfortable. It was never meant to be comfortable. When Jesus Christ came up with himself as God and he came to the earth and he died on a cross, it wasn't comfortable when he was tortured and beaten for our faith, it wasn't comfortable. Why in the world, us? If, if you've never been out of this country, we seem to think in Christianity as Americans that Christianity means comfort. It, it was never meant to mean comfort. In fact, it was meant to mean the opposite, that we were to be sacrificial in our faith, that we were to love till it hurt. And so for some of us, it means getting out of our sensibilities in American culture and realizing that Christianity is meant to be uncomfortable. So Christ calls us to be comfortable becoming uncomfortable. So some of us in this room need to mind the gap. Finally, there's a a final soil that Jesus wants to draw all of us to move towards. We're never going to sit there all the time. We're always going to struggle 
But he expects us to continue to move forward to this type of heart, this type of soil. And here's what Luke writes. He says this, still other seed fell on the fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as had been planted. I want to read this one more time because you've done what I did for several years of reading this passage. You flew past it. I want to draw your attention to one statement. Still other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as had been planted. In other words, the farmer sowed the seed and this soil, not only did it produce a crop, it produced the most amazing, incredible crop that was ever seen before. And so if you have this kind of heart that God wants us to move to, you're known as a producer. You're a producer. You're producing a crop. In Christian world, if you're not a Christian, it's like we say, you're producing fruit. Now, I'm not talking about a strawberry growing out of your head. When you produce fruit, it means this. I make a decision to follow God's seed, his truth. And when I take a step of faith and follow that, others notice, they learn from it. They grow from it, and that is considered fruit. My kids learn from it. My parents see it in me. My spouse sees it in me. That's all producing fruit. Now, here's the problem with most of us in this room. Most of us think we only have to produce fruit every once in a while. It's as if we go to the grocery store. It's like we made a deal with Jesus. Jesus, you know, this whole producing fruit every single day, this is tough. I mean, we live in 21st century. I mean, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, we, we've changed. We've got a lot of things that are better now. And so can we just preserve the fruit? How about we can the fruit? In fact, what we say is, and the question I ask you is this, is the fruit you're producing canned or preserved? Because there's some of us in this room that we will say, no, I got the right heart. You know, 10 years ago, I helped plant a church. I got that fruit right there and I've been living off that canned fruit for 10 years. And Jesus looks and said, your fruit was never meant to be canned or preserved. Your fruit was meant to be delivered every single day. Jesus said this about the seeds. He said, and the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. Producers, prioritize what God says over what you want to hear. You receive God's truth and you follow it. You know, last week, Pastor Aaron, for those of you that were here, he talked about the gospel and he said, I can sum it up in these few words. I was blind, but now I see. When I was at that conference this past couple weeks ago, they said, Terry, our prayer is those who are deaf, let them have ears to hear and understand. And guess what Jesus said at the end of this parable? Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. It's as if Jesus said, you want to understand the gospel? That you proclaim to him, I was deaf, but now I Heavenly Father, I give you praise this morning. God, you are so incredible. God, forgive me for the times in my life that my heart is not in the condition it needs to be. 
Forgive me for the many times in life when your truth is thrown at me and I reject it or I allowed things to crowd it out. I don't listen like I should. And so God, allow me the ears to hear and understand every single day so that I can become more and more like you. God, for those in the room that are observers that don't know what it means to trust in a Lord and Savior, today's the day. If not today, then when? Today's the day to say, Jesus, I want you as Lord and Savior, and I'm going to listen to your truth, I'm going to apply it, and I'm going to change. And if you're an observer in this room, I challenge you today to make that bold proclamation. And I'll be across the hall in just a minute, and I'd love to talk to you about it. Dear Jesus, may you bless the reading of your word, and may you bless the decisions that were made. In your name that we pray. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.